0: I'm your host, Madeline, and welcome to The Courageous Podcast, where you will hear inspirational stories of everyday people who will share how they found strength, hope, and faith in the midst of adversity. Let's get ready to be inspired. Today, I have Sarah Colon Harris who was born in Chicago to Puerto Rican parents before moving to Charlotte, North Carolina. She is a wife, mother, award-winning journalist, producer, host, social entrepreneur, and visionary leader driven by strategic instincts and heart. After interviewing thousands of people and spending more than a decade reporting on trials, crime, politics, and everything in between, Sarah felt led to fly the coop of comfort and felt the tug to make an impact in a different way. In 2013, she made the difficult decision to leave TV and start her own film and event production company called Stories to Inspire. In 2015, Sarah launched the She Flew the Coop movement, where her mission is to empower women to step out of their comfort zone to discover their true selves and purpose. That is a mouthful, Sarah. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Welcome, welcome to the Courageous Podcast. Thank you
1: so much for having
0: me. Well, you and I were actually introduced through a mutual friend or for you family, which is Brat. Hernandez. And he was on the Courageous podcast in season one, probably third episode. I encourage you to listen to it. It's a courageous story about him and his wife as she was battling cancer. And and obviously that was your cousin. Yeah. And it's a tremendous story. And you got to hear it. I don't even want to tell you about it because it's truly inspiring. And so he thought, I've got somebody that has a really great story that could really encourage women. And I said, all right, let's get together. So I thank you for joining me today and I'm excited about our conversation.
1: Me too. First, I'd like to say I'm proud of you, Madeline, for doing this. I think this is great. (laughs) I think it's great that you started this and I'm excited to have the conversation.
0: Awesome. You know, take us back to your earlier years and I know you have kind of an interesting story. So tell me a little bit about that.
1: Well, I was born in Chicago, so I have some Chicago connections. A lot of my family still lives in Chicago, but my father was a dreamer. He passed away last year. He was a dreamer and he passed that on to me. And he, when I was a young child, about four or five years old, decided he wanted to move to Charlotte because there was a ministry that was starting here called PTL And he really wanted to be a part of it. So he took a risk and he moved my mom and myself and my younger brother, who was nine months old. My mom at the time was working at a bank. And so he went to the bank and said, I'm going to Charlotte, North Carolina. He really didn't even know where he was going, but he was like, I'm going somewhere down Mm -hmm. South, you know, North Carolina (laughs) (laughs) and I want to be a part of this ministry. And so my mom was like, what? You're leaving us? Like, what are you talking about? You know, she was really Mm -hmm. upset and he got on a Greyhound bus and he literally got dropped off at the gate of PTL. Didn't know where he was going and he had a backpack and a dream and that was pretty much it. And a couple weeks later, my mom and the rest of us came. And so that's how our journey to Charlotte began. It was an interesting experience because we were the only Puerto Rican family around. And that's exactly what it felt like at that time. Mm -hmm. It was tough because it felt like, you know, we had left our community, we left our family and it was just us. And we had to navigate a new world in the South with people that didn't look like us.
0: I mean, that's got to be difficult. Even today, people still pick up and go somewhere and they still feel alone and kind of isolated and don't feel like they belong in certain places. I love that your dad had such faith to say, hey, I'm going to get on a bus (laughs) and I'm just going to go and hey, God is going to pave away and he's going to make it happen and hey that takes a lot of courage in itself to do that and I'm glad that you guys jumped on board and went on this journey with him so through your teen years I know that you were kind of growing up and some things happened you know tell me a little bit about that
1: so i grew up trying to really figure out my identity because i went through phases where all my friends were white and then all my friends were black and i really didn't have Many Hispanic friends because there wasn't a large Hispanic population in Charlotte at that time. It's a little bit different now, but at that time there really wasn't. So people would ask me all the time, like, What are you? Are you mixed? Are you Asian? Are you this? Mm -hmm. Are you that? And nobody could ever really figure out what I was. And then my friends would come to my house. Of course, you know, my parents are cooking Puerto Rican food and they're speaking Spanish, and it's just different. And so I had to really get used to being different. I I got comfortable being different very early on. Mm -hmm. And I remember a life-changing moment for me was when I uh, signed up for a pageant for Latina girls when I was about 17 years old. And I went through the process and I really got to connect and we learned all these dances. And really, it was just for the first time, it was me being around other girls that looked like me and had Mm -hmm. similarities and could understand my family and my culture. And so I ended up winning that pageant. I wanted to quit, but I didn't. <laughs> I got nervous. I had stage fright. I was like, I don't want to do this. Right. You know, that was my first experience on a stage or with a microphone or anything. And so I was just wanted to quit. And thankfully I didn't. Um, a friend encouraged me and she said, well, what if you, what if you win? You know, I was mm. like, what if I, what if I do this? What if I fall or fail or I say something wrong? Or right. and she was like, but what if you win? And I was like, "Wait, I never thought about that." You know, right. I win? <laughs> and so I stayed in it, and I did win, and that was a defining moment for me because that really opened up the way for my television career. Without realizing at the time, because I started speaking at different events around the state, and I was on um, local Spanish newspapers and radio, and so it really opened up a whole new world for me that I didn't know, and then things changed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> As life goes, right?
1: As life goes. And so, you know, I was on the path. I was in college and I was, i always been this sort of free spirit type of person. And when I was 19, I got pregnant and that changed, that really changed a lot of things for me. And I had to work harder for the dream. I had always wanted to be a reporter, but suddenly that looked different. And so I got married very young. And we got divorced very young. So I was like 22. And um, we just did everything so young. We weren't ready. We were young and we didn't really know what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I had a supportive partner. And so he's always been you know, very involved in my son's life. But it was hard. It was hard because I had to go through college as a divorced young mother. And I was Mm. trying to become a reporter. I was also Latina and there aren't a lot of Latinas in television. And so I had all these things kind of stacked against me um, or challenges, so to speak, that people would see as challenges. But looking back, I realized they just really strengthened me.
0: I hear you talking about being a young mom and, you know, I have a lot of women that have been on the podcast that were single moms and a lot of listeners that are single moms and probably can definitely connect with what you're saying. I can't imagine being a single mom, having to raise a small child, having this dream, college, all that. I mean, it just, I'm overwhelmed by listening to you. <laughs> and so I'm so glad that you kind of stayed the course, but you literally easily could have just said, I am done. Like, I'm not doing this. This is too hard i'm just gonna settle because a lot of times because of fear and you had this fear when you were a kid no i can't do this i'm gonna fail you know what i mean i'm not gonna do it but i'm so glad that you didn't settle and that you persevered and you pushed through and so Your young mom, you told me that you attended the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. You got your bachelor's degree in mass media and communications and and minored in journalism. Did you have a plan at this point? You know, your son, I think you said, was four years old at the time. Did you have a plan about what that next step was going to be for Sarah Cologne? (laughs) Ha!
1: Well, I really, all I knew was I was determined to be on television. I was <laughs> determined to be a journalist. That was all I had ever wanted to do. And I was gifted in that area. And I recognized mm-hmm. that early on. Like, I was a talker. You know, I loved to write, I loved being around people. I was very creative and imaginative as a child. So I knew that there was something there, even when people would try to tell me otherwise and they would say, oh, well, that's really going to be really hard. Hardly anybody breaks into that business. It's a tough business to get into. And then, you know, you're Latina. There's hardly Mm -hmm. no Latina reporter. And they were right. All of these things were actually true, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. But I chose to listen to my heart and my heart said, no, you can do this. And so I will tell you, it was extremely difficult going through college, working a job. I was working at Allstate Insurance, selling car insurance. <laughs> and then I was working, I was on my own. I had my son, he was young, And but I persevered and graduated. I, was, I think I was 24 when I finally graduated and we ended up moving to Virginia, which was about four hours away from Charlotte, my hometown. Mm -hmm. And I started out there. And in the TV business, you have to start in a very small market and work your way up. That's just right. the way it goes, and you have to pay your dues, and you're working all kinds of crazy hours, and you're doing everything. You're the camera girl, and you're the you're the editor, and you're the reporter. <laughs> you're everything because that's how you start out, they, right? They, and you don't make a lot of money, and so it was me and my son, and he was four, and my friends that worked at the TV station were all young. I mean, they're like you know 22, 23, 24 twenty three, twenty four. They'd all moved from Different parts of the country, and none of us had family or friends around, and definitely none of them had children, and none of them were married or even been married. So here I am, you know, this person I'm 24 years old, I have a four year old son, I've already been married, I've already been divorced, I've already experienced some major things in my life. And um, so it was an interesting time, but I, I believe truly in my heart that going through those things early on really gave me an advantage as a Mm -hmm. journalist, because I had insight and perspective that maybe some other people didn't have. I was fortunate that after two years, I was able to come, I got a job in Charlotte, which was a top 25 market. In TV business, they go by market size. And so I think Charlottesville, Virginia, where I was, was like market 180 something. So it was Mm -hmm. really tiny. And to be able to jump over 150 markets in two years, you know, that was a big deal at the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And to come back home to Charlotte, I was so blessed because now I was able to be back around my family, my friends, my son's father. And so ended up staying there for seven years at the TV station in Charlotte.
0: I'm thinking, though, like how in the world did you juggle this crazy schedule, raising a small son and financially, you know, how tough was it?
1: I'll be honest, Madeline, I look back on that time and I'm like, how in the world did that? And it was yeah. nothing but the grace of God, truly. Amen. And a whole lot of determination and willpower. I've always had a determined spirit. And so we just made it work. I don't know how we made it work, but we made it work. And it was tight but my bills were always paid. Nothing Mm -hmm. was ever late. Everything was, you know, I made it. It's interesting because when you get to a certain point in your career, you forget about that kind of stuff.
0: There's nothing wrong with humble beginnings. And I feel like That's so important in any journey that we go on. And when things get tough, or we think, you know, we want to give up, or we have to start all over again, which is something that you did, you can kind of go back and say, okay, let me draw from this place that I know is scary, it's difficult, you know, I'm not going to make a lot of money. But I know what it's like to be humble and to start from the bottom and work my way up and really see what that looks like. And I love that. And so I know you said that you were In a lot of places that you went to, you were the only Latina and mostly surrounded by black and white women. You told me that you experienced some racism. Tell me some of the things that impacted you.
1: When I first started at the TV station in Charlotte, they later told me that when the announcement went out that Sarah Batista, you know, will be joining us from Virginia as a new reporter, that everybody was like, Batista, what kind of name is that? You know, it's my name, okay? Exactly. Exactly. So I was like, Batista, what's wrong with Batista? And I was just so, I think, I will be honest with you, Madeline. I think one of the greatest gifts that my parents gave me was the ability to believe in myself and believe that anything was possible. So I didn't go into the workforce thinking, oh, I have all these obstacles or challenges. I always went in with the mentality of anything is possible. And so I didn't see myself in maybe the way that other people saw me. And I think in a way that was a gift being bold and naive can can work for you sometimes. Absolutely. And so I was that, I was bold and I was naive and I just went in, but I felt there were definitely times where we would have to decide news coverage or it would be in certain meetings and things would come up and I would raise an eyebrow or, you know, I would bring it to my news director's attention. And it was tough because I literally was the only Latina for a long time because they eventually hired another Latina reporter as well. But for a long time, I was the only Latina in the building, not, not just, on camera, but behind the scenes, I was the only Hispanic reporter too. And I don't think people really ever thought about that. They just were like, oh, that's just Sarah, you know, that's Sarah. Mm-hmm. With but they never realized the impact of that. Because when you are in the majority, that's not what you think about. But that's when right. you, when you're the only one, you're always thinking about it. You're always conscious to it.
0: Yeah, I can relate to that because I know when I started my business years ago in HR consulting and I would go to networking events because I'm trying to connect with people. I'm trying to build my brand and my business. And I would go to these events and I felt the same way. Sometimes I was the only Latina and the looks that I would get or I'd sit at a table and like no one would make an effort to even talk to me. In a, but I love that you said that you went into it like, hey, I'm just me. I don't see myself as anything other than a strong woman that has a dream and is going to do whatever it takes to pursue it. And whoever doesn't like it, get out of the way.
1: Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had this confidence going through what I had been through early on. I had this confidence of like, well, listen, I've already been through this. I've been through this. That's right. Not like I'm just a superwoman person, but I had built up resilience at a young age already. Mm. Uh, and I needed that because I needed to have tough skin in the environment that I was working. And so I was working weekends and nights and holidays and you could hardly ever get a vacation. And I, that's mm. just the nature of the business. The business was right. just like that. On the positive side, though, I gained so much. It was such an invaluable experience to be able to go into people's homes every single day in a different part of town. You got to see such a diverse community and the highs and the lows of life because that's what mm. makes news. And so you would be celebrating with people or you could be literally, I was. I did a lot of crime and court stories and I would be knocking on doors literally within hours of somebody passing away. And this would oh. happen sometimes three to four times a week. I would wow. be on somebody's doorstep. And so I really learned how to have compassion for people and got a very strong insight into humanity, into life and how real life can be. I
0: mean, what an experience. I love how you said that, that you learned a lot of these difficult lessons early, and it truly prepared you for your dream coming true of being a reporter and really connecting with people. And having empathy, I think, is so important in our journey. I think it just helps us to be better human beings and look at life kind of through a different lens. And so you told me that a few years ago, you had been in a car accident and that you suffered a concussion and that because of this experience, you kind of went into a depression. And now the reason I bring this up is because, you know, obviously you're telling me that you are just this gung-ho, strong, powerful Latina woman. And now this happens to you and something shifts. How did that experience make you stronger?
1: Well, I'll back up for just a second because I had, I left television in 2013. And so at that point I had started a business, a video production business. So I was working my business when this accident happened. Mm. And so I didn't have like a nine to five job. So I had this accident, somebody rear-ended me and it wasn't a, ter- I mean, it was a hard hit, but I didn't think I had a concussion. So I went around for about two weeks thinking I was okay, but wasn't feeling great. And by the time I went to the third doctor, he said, you have post-concussion syndrome, which means that I was going to be dealing with some symptoms for a little while. Mm -hmm. Um, Symptoms like headache and not being able to concentrate as well. And it affected me in different ways, but it did send me into a depression because I had to take some time off. And I was the type of person that really liked to work and I had always been used to being on the go. I mean, a hundred miles per hour for years. Mm. And that's not an exaggeration. I mean, I remember days where I really felt that I had no time in from the moment I got up, it was like, get my son to school, get to work, you know, come back home, think about the next day. And it's just repeat, 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 you know. Right. So I had never taken time to be still. And when I got into this accident, I had no choice but to be still for several months. It felt a lot like what we're going through right now with quarantine, except I was Mm -hmm. going through it alone. Because when you have a head injury, they tell you, stay off screen, stay off social media, stay off the computer, don't read. And so for a couple of weeks, I was really just in a very isolated place. I wasn't married at the time. I was single Still, so uh, I had by that point I had sold my house and downsized everything because I had started this business. I had taken these big risks, and so I was really on my own. I felt, and it was tough. It sent me into depression. But I will tell you, it became one of the greatest awakenings that I've had because I had to sit with myself for weeks at a time, and I did a couple of projects, small projects here and there, to to just keep afloat. You know, right. But for the most part, I was pretty still. And my friends would call me and they would say, why aren't you doing this? Or why aren't you doing that? Or you should be doing more because Mm -hmm. that's the culture we live in is more, more, more. And the idea of being still is like, what? You're being still. Mm -hmm. still, Especially (laughs) especially in the Latino culture. Right. We don't have the luxury of being still.
0: That's right.
1: Because we've always got to be working and hustling and mm-hmm. you know, trying to provide and that sort of thing. But throughout that experience, I learned a lot about myself. And what's interesting, a lot of what I learned, I now teach those lessons through the She Flew the Coop community that was started.
0: You know, it's interesting. God allows us to go through certain things and certain seasons and as difficult as they are at the time when we're going through, we're like, why is this happening? Why am I going through this? And then later you can take that and use it for something good and teach others lessons. And I love that. And so, Sarah, before we get into your amazing not-for-profit, what was your motivation to kind of push through all of these things that you were faced with throughout your life?
1: Well, we've had meetings about resilience and what that means. And the question has come up, are you born that way or do you build it over time? And I think it's a little bit of both. I think that there are some people who are just naturally wired to get back up. And then I think also you learn things over your lifetime. And I think my motivation, honestly, was I just wasn't going to let my spirit be broken and I was so fortunate that I had a supportive partner, even though we weren't married at the time, right. we were dating. And, and that's another story itself, because we have known each other for almost 20 something years. This was our second time together, mm-hmm. but my boyfriend was really supportive and he got me through that time. And I don't know if I would have been able to get through that without him. Cause it was a really tough time when you have no control and you're used to kind of being in charge and being in control of your life. We think right. we are anyway, right? We think, yeah. we are. and then you suddenly aren't, it was really tough to just surrender. And I refuse to just give up.
0: It's great when you have someone there with you to support you through those ups and downs. It's truly life-changing for some people. You told me when we first spoke, and you said it earlier um, in our discussion, and something that really touched me was that your dad was a dreamer and that he empowered you to believe that you could do anything. So are you grateful that he was able to see you know, your journey and all of your accomplishments before he passed.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And my mom too. My mom is more the practical one. She retired, she was a nurse and they both had different qualities that have been instrumental in my life. But My dad for sure was the dreamer, always very proud. It was Huge daddy's girl, and so I'm still processing that mm. that he's not here anymore. He actually lived in Chicago, and he passed last year. And so I'm still processing that, and um, it's it's tough to to lose a loved one. It's interesting because I covered grief for so many years as a journalist, but it was the one thing that I had never experienced. And I used to say, "Gosh, I've now you know I've seen a lot and experienced a lot, but I've never experienced grief." and boy, when mm-hmm. it hit, it hit hard. And it is so tough to lose a loved one, especially a parent. I want to say this to people listening is to to not take these people for granted, which I, I would say I, I don't believe that I did. I was always very grateful for my parents. Maybe my mom, I took maybe her for granted. You know how we are with our moms. <laughs> but dad, but, but you know, I just... I've just always been very thankful. And I'm so glad. But I know that a lot of times we take the people in our lives for granted. Yes. And I'm telling you, in a blink of an eye, a split second, they can be gone and your life can be completely changed.
0: That's right. And
1: it's, it's so important to be present when you're with, when you're having those family gatherings, or you're with somebody, you're just going to get ice cream or going to get dinner, you're just having people over, you're enjoying yourself, be fully in that moment. Because to me, that's the source of joy. Not everybody has that opportunity.
0: I love that. Yeah, that's definitely encouraging. And I know, that that will definitely resonate with some people we do have to appreciate those amazing people in our lives because yeah tomorrow's not promised and we just don't know and losing a parent i mean my husband went through that a year and a half ago and even now he's still processing it he still has not been able to get past losing his mom because she was so instrumental in his life and so that's really great advice sarah and so looking back you know is there anything that you would have done differently on this journey sarah
1: I don't know. I sometimes I've asked myself that question and I think, well what if I wouldn't have done this or what if I wouldn't have done that and I you know, my son is now twenty one years old and he is just a great kid, a good kid and we had to grow up together in some Mm -hmm. way. I don't think there is anything I would have done differently. I certainly wouldn't have planned it that way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I definitely wasn't planning that. My plan right. was to get married, maybe get married, and maybe have kids at 30. Right. Maybe. I was thinking that too, 30, yeah. 30, 30. Yeah, maybe. That was it. You know, right. that was plan talk about not life not going the way you planned it you know but i Mm. I don't think i would change anything because everything has taught me something everything has had value every lesson um has it been easy heck no have there been amazing moments of joy absolutely um have there been some trials that i wouldn't wish on my worst enemy absolutely for sure
0: when we were talking, and you were sharing your story, and I know that you've shared your story, you know many times in in your business and kind of what you're doing, you know, why did you think that it was important to share this particular story? Because when you and I talked, you said something really interesting. You said, I, "Yeah, I have a great story," and but you said, "No one ever asked me about being a Latina. Mm-mm. No nope. one ever asked me about what it's like." to have been on this amazing journey of TV and television and starting a production company and, and being a Latina woman. So why did you want to share that part of your story?
1: Because I want other Latina women to know that if I can do this, so can you, if I can do this, so can you. And we are naturally just strong. It's in our bloodline. We're, We're strong. We're resilient. We're resourceful. We know how to hustle. We, we know how to get things done. And I think that we need to be reminded of that sometimes. And it's hard, though, when you, when you look around you and you're looking at these different positions and you don't see anybody that looks like you. It's hard to dream when you don't see people who look like you. That's right. And so I think that's why it's important when we do get to a certain level of success that we continue to inspire other people and give them a hand up. I've had several interns that have come through that have been Puerto Rican that I've been able to help and get into the business, the journalism business and mm-hmm. you know I feel proud of that anytime I'm able to to help somebody else reach back and give them a hand because I broke into the business not knowing one single person, not one and all the contacts right. and everything that I've made over the years, I had to do that from scratch. I didn't have anybody in the business to mm-hmm. help me. People just need to know that it, whatever it is, the dream that has been planted in your heart is for a reason. We're all uniquely gifted in some sort of way. And what you desire is possible. It, might, it won't happen overnight. It's not going to happen overnight, I promise you. But it, it will happen if you're persistent, if you stay persistent.
0: That's right. That's great advice, Sarah. And so in two or three sentences, if there's a woman out there that's not just a Latina, but a woman, a Latina, a woman of color that says, hey, I'm in a room where no one looks like me. No one understands my dream. There's no one to support me on my journey. What would you say to her right now to encourage her?
1: I would say believe in your and here's the thing the only person who has walked your life has been in the driver's seat of your life is you you are the only person who has been through every single conversation every single experience has lived every story you are the only person so your job is to find out who you are really, truly, authentically, and then work from that space and really find what lights you up and brings you joy. And stop worrying about what other people think. That's, that's, right. a, tra- that's a trap. All of that is a trap.
0: And that's a or- Latino thing.
1: Oh God, we're the worst. <laughs> we're the worst about that. You, every, The gossip and the this, yes. everybody's worried about what everybody else is doing That's and they're right. not worried about what they're doing. That's exactly. the
0: problem. Exactly. Um,
1: and then also I think, Madeline, you got to surround yourself with people who support you. And sometimes we don't have that in our immediate circle. That's and right. you have Find go outside of your circle to find that sometimes. That's right. Um, you're not gonna get a lot of times, you're not gonna get what you desire, especially when you're going after your dreams from your friends or your family. If you don't have those people in your circle, go to podcasts, go yes. to, watch things on YouTube. You're gonna have to go outside of your circle to get what you need or join a community like Sheep for the Coop. That's right. <laughs> that's that's right. But that's what <laughs> that's what we do, and so you're going to need you're going to need that support along the way that's right and that's something that
0: i tell women all the time and that's like that's my mission right there is to say hey it's okay if you don't have those people around you to support you. Um, sometimes it's not, you know, your family or your friends, and not in a negative way. It's that they may not understand that you have this dream, that you have a seed that's been planted, and you just want it to grow. and And your dreams are bigger than anyone can even understand around you. And so you're right. Looking for someone or some other type of a circle is so important. And so, you know, Sarah, before we go, please let's talk a little bit about your non profit now and why you started She Flew the Coop.
1: Yes. So I started She Flew the Coop about four or five years ago. And it really started as a film idea. I was like, I want to produce a documentary about women who tend to taken risks in their life and that sort of thing. And then it turned into a community. And so we've been meeting monthly for over four years. And it's been amazing. And even with uh, the pandemic, we've gone virtual so we've been able to open up our community beyond Charlotte, which is awesome, mm-hmm. and um, and then just a few months ago we turned we officially became a nonprofit because for a while we were just a meetup group and I was like, wow, well, I wasn't quite sure where I wanted to take it, and then the vision started to to become bigger, and I thought this really is a nonprofit, and I want to eventually chapter it and um, have it in different cities, but. For right now, we're in Charlotte, and um, it's just been amazing being around women, and you know, watching their growth and seeing them connect. And I think it's just so important. And I've been very intentional, Madeline, about creating a diverse community—a mm. community of women that is not just Latina, that is not just Black, that is not just White. That's it right. is extremely diverse. And I think when you get in spaces like that, where you have access to people who are not like you. This is where you grow. This is where you grow. And this is where you learn. You realize that you are not as alone in the way that you think as you think you are.
0: You know, there's so much to learn about women in general and ladies, you know, one of the things I hear all the time is, oh my God, women are so catty, which is so true. And we're so difficult. And I know some women (laughs) may not receive that, but we are difficult ladies. I don't care what color you are. And so it's so much easier Right to just say, hey, let me get to know these other women. We may have the same wins and the same losses, and we just don't know. We need to take the time to get together, to talk, to share, to just be open and transparent, and really become part of a community that cares. You know what I mean? And you need that in order to be successful in some of these endeavors and the things that you want to do. And so I encourage you ladies to step out and do what Sarah is saying. Uh, she's lived it and she's created it, which she flew the coop. And I love that. And so Sarah, how can people connect with you and everything that you're doing with your organization?
1: So they can go to social media and follow us on Instagram at she flew the coop or follow our Facebook page, which is also she flew the Coop. We have a Facebook group called She Flew the Coop International that they can search and ask request to be involved in. And then the website is sheflewthecoop.org. So every month we post on our social media the link to the meeting. So people can join virtually and it's usually free the fir- for the first time. Last night, we did self-love. Next mm-hmm. month, we're talking about mental health, but it's not a workshop. It's not a webinar. It's not that type of thing. It's really a space to come in and fill your cup and just and talk. I mean, we have guided conversations, but just real authentic heart-to-heart conversation.
0: I love it. That's great. Well, I am so blessed that we had this conversation. You touched on a lot of great things. Hopefully, you've planted a seed for other dreamers like you and I that they can do anything that they set their minds to and that dreams do come true if you just persevere and you push through. And, Sarah, I want to thank you. Thank you for being on the Courageous Podcast. I just pray blessings over you, your family, your journey through healing at the loss of your father and the fact that you are leaving a tremendous imprint on other women as you go on your journey. Thank you so much. And um, I look forward to hearing more about Sarah Colon Harris in the future.
1: Thank you so much, Madeline. I'm proud of you. Keep going.
0: Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate that. Hey, Courageous Community. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you were encouraged today if you have a courageous story or want to connect with today's guest, email us at courageouspodcast2020 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at courageouspodcast. Podcast. Until next time, continue to be strong and courageous.